Welcome to Hope Sabbath School, an in-depth interactive study of the Word of God. We are in the middle of an amazing series, a crucial series on life, death, resurrection, and eternal life. Today, we're going to look at resurrections before the resurrection of Jesus. It didn't start with the glorious resurrection of our Lord, which gives us hope of resurrection and eternal life. We're going to study about resurrections before the resurrection of Jesus. So welcome to Hope Sabbath School and welcome to the team. Great to see you here. Take a look at each other. We look like the world because we're coming from many different countries, many different nations. And we know that you are part of our Hope Sabbath School family wherever you are around the world. We've also got some remote team members who are joining us and we're happy to have uh, Sabina with us from British Columbia, Canada. Good to see you again, Sabina. And Marianella, good to see you from California. Glad you're here. And uh, Enoch's joining us from Maryland. Enoch, glad to have you back with us on Hope Sabbath School. And we're thankful that you're writing to us from around the world, telling us how you're blessed by this interactive Bible study. By the way, did you download the free gift yet? The Story of Jesus, an amazing digital copy of a book that focuses on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and the promise of eternal life. You can go to our website, hopetv.org slash hopess, click on the free gift button in the middle of the screen. Thousands of people go to get the free gift because you can share it with your friends too. So don't forget to get that free gift. We're talking about life, death, resurrection, and eternal life. Here's a few notes. Peter writes to us from South Sudan. Hello, brothers and sisters. He gets the wave. Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am Peter from South Sudan. I'm very happy for Hope Sabbath School you present every week. It's total transformation. I always feel happy using your outlines when I teach my class every Sabbath. So we're talking here about multiplication. Peter, thank you for using the Hope Sabbath School outline. I'm elected to be an elder of our new Bible study center here in South Sudan. Therefore, I need your prayers. You know it's hard here in South Sudan. We worship under mango trees and we are very few in number. We need to reach the villages for Jesus. Well, Peter, thanks so much for writing to us. I just feel really happy getting that email from you and that you're using the Hope Sabbath School outline. That's awesome. By the way, any of you can start an interactive Bible study. Go to our website, hopetv.org slash hopess. Download the outline, make copies for everyone in the group and have an in-depth interactive study. Here's Crispine. Crispine is writing, she's a Zambian writing. She lives in South Africa. She said, I'd like to thank you for the in-depth Bible study on Hope Sabbath School. It's a great resource. It helps me a lot, oh, to prepare to teach my local Sabbath School. Here we got another teacher. I always listen to in-depth study before I teach and I use the outline. Oh, I'm a Zambian living in South Africa. Well, Crispine, we're just so excited. God's multiplying, isn't he? Amen. You know, we did a series on Genesis recently, Just Team Teachers, and that was our prayer, multiplication yes. of in-depth interactive Bible studies. And uh, praise God, it's happening. Well, here's a handwritten note from a donor. Handwritten note uh, from the state of New York in the United States. Thank you, Hope Sabbath School team, for all you do with the Bible study. 
My family watches the program or has watched the program for years, and we've been blessed. Here's a small donation. God bless you, and a gift of $150 Thank to you. bless Wonderful. Hope Sabbath School. Yes. People say, well, not everybody can give 5000 That's true. People give as the Lord impresses them, mm -hmm. but we can all be part of the miracle. And I just want to thank you at this time of the year as we're thinking about our charitable giving. If you're impressed to be part of this impact movement, go to our website, hopetv.org slash hopess. You can click on the donate button or go directly, hopetv.org slash donate. And we're so thankful for your generous support. One last note from Ligia in Australia. I'm writing from Canberra, Australia's capital city, to express my appreciation for uplifting Jesus Christ and His Word. Yeah, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's not just about information. It's about transformation mm -hmm. yes. by a connection with Jesus. Yes. To God be the glory. Oh, Ligia writes, recently I lost my husband. He now peacefully sleeps waiting for Christ's return. Amen. Well, Amen. you understand what the yeah. Bible teaches about life, death, resurrection when Jesus comes, yes. and eternal life. Thank you for sharing that testimony. We both grew up in the Adventist faith. We lived 61 years together. Amen. Wow. Now I am Amen. waiting to be reunited with Him. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. Yes. Jesus is coming soon, writes Ligia, and I pray that all of us will be ready to meet Him in the clouds. May God richly bless you in your ministry of Hope Sabbath School. To God be the glory. Amen. 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 Well, I want to tell you, we've been encouraged, Ligia, by your email. Mm -hmm. and, and actually, your testimony was what the whole series is about. Yes. Yes. Life, death, resurrection, and the gift yes. of eternal life through faith yes. in Jesus. Amen. Right now, I'd like to invite you to sing our theme song with us. It's, it's the words of Jesus Himself from Revelation 1, 17 and 18 and verse 8. He says, Do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm He who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Let's sing it together. But be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And who is to come? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Who is and who was and who is to come? The Almighty, the Almighty.
get excited when I hear the words of Jesus. You know, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. Amen. So we're going to pray that as Jesus promised, the Holy Spirit would guide us in our study today as we study about resurrections before the resurrection of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Father in heaven, your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Jesus, you promised the Spirit would lead us into all truth. So as we study about this important topic of resurrection from the dead, in this series about life, death, resurrection, and eternal life, may may the Holy Spirit impact many lives around the world, not only to understand about resurrection, but that they would say, Jesus, will you save me so that I will come up in the blessed resurrection to the gift of eternal life. Guide us in our study today, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, I'm excited, you know, because yes. all of us, even you watching today, all of us have loved ones who've fallen asleep in mm-hmm. death. Some people don't understand what happens when you die. But Jesus said it's just a sleep. That's right. But yes. there's, there's a resurrection for the redeemed, but also a resurrection of condemnation. Yes. We want to come up in the resurrection of the redeemed, don't we? Amen. So that's through faith yes. in Jesus. But we're going to look even before the death and resurrection of Jesus. There were some resurrections recorded in the Old Testament scriptures. And we're going to start. And Jason, could you start our study today in Deuteronomy 34? Now, this one, hmm, we have to do a little detective work. Mm-hmm. So let's read Deuteronomy 34, verses 1 through 6. The New King James Version says in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 6, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zor. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. Now, there are several questions that come to our minds. uh, Thank you for reading that, Jason. What what questions come to your mind as you hear uh, this last part of the book of Deuteronomy? Tervis? Well, I guess if you didn't know the whole story, you want to know why he's not going over. Okay, so that's a good question. And by the way, Deuteronomy primarily is written by Moses, but someone else wrote this last chapter because Moses Mm. dies, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So we might infer probably Joshua given uh, revelation by the Holy Spirit. Of course, he wrote the book of Joshua, right? But but the, he completed this last part of Deuteronomy because it talks about the death and burial. But you're, you're right, Travis. We ask, why didn't he go over? 
Can someone help us with that? Sean, why, why was he not allowed to go over into the promised land? That's a great question. Unfortunately, even though Moses and the Lord had such a close relationship, there was a time when Moses disobeyed God and did not speak to the rock for the water to come out and instead struck the rock. And for that sin, he was not able to go to the promised land. And that seems kind of, in some ways, people say that's small, but all of this, the first striking of the rock representing the death of Jesus, the water flows forth. But then he hits it twice, and, and, it, and, and that was saying something about the plan of salvation because Christ dies once for all to provide salvation, right? But the good news is, uh, we're going to discover that that actually, even though he's not allowed into the promised land, he gets a bonus, Lavinia. Um, but what did you notice in verse six that was kind of unusual, Jason? It says, no one knows his grave to this day. They seems yeah. like it's disappeared. Mm -hmm. uh, and who buried him anyway, Lavinia? Yeah, that was going to be my question. Who is the he? referenced here. Mm. Sabina, what do you think? Who buried Moses on top in there in the valley? It gives a kind of a fairly specific location. Yeah. So who buried Moses? I think it was Jesus himself. Well, it's the Lord, Lord the, the Lord, the pre-incarnate, the pre-incarnate pre Jesus, yes, right? Pre Jesus is born yes. uh, many thousands of years later. Well, not many thousands, probably about mm, 1300 years later. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. the, the the Lord, it says, was with him, and he buried him. Well, you can't bury yourself, right? <laughs> he buried him there. So, well, this is kind of interesting. Mm. But what does this have to do with resurrection? Lalisha, if you could go right before the book of Revelation, right at the end of your Bible, is a little book. It only has one chapter called Jude. And there's a very interesting reference in Jude, Verse 9. It's not chapter 1 because there's only one. It's just verse 9. But let's see what is revealed to Jude, who many believe was the stepbrother of Jesus, one of the sons of Joseph. What, what does it say there in Jude verse 9? I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Jude verse 9. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So apparently there's an argument, Michael, over, over the body of Moses. Moses dies, but there's an argument. What might the argument have been about? Mm. What do you think, Michael? Well, it's, as the scripture says it there, it's about the body of Moses itself. Uh, uh, perhaps Satan was, uh, you know, since he was the prince of death, essentially, He's uh, arguing that, no, this is my, this is my, In my territory. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Travis. I think he's exactly right. I think you're arguing over who he belongs to. Yeah. And, and the Lord says he belongs to me. There yes, ain't even yes. a dispute. And, and not only does he belong to me, but Lalika. I would suggest because of uh, the sin that he committed, um, that was a dispute why yeah. the devil was saying that he belonged to him. Okay, but the Lord's going to do something, Sean. They're arguing over whether or not Moses should be resurrected, ah. whether or not he should go to heaven. All right. So, uh, Patrice, you want to add to that? I was going to say, uh, Satan as the accuser probably mm. was saying, well, he sinned. And if the wages of sin is death, you cannot take him. All right, Patricia, thank you for pointing that out. So there's this contention, but we know that Moses trusted 
in salvation yes. through faith in the Lord, right? Amen. This yes. is before the coming of Jesus, but by faith, he's trusting in Messiah. Michael? Yeah, and I actually want to zero in where it says that uh, he did not, uh, you know, bring against him a railing accusation. He uh, Basically, it's, it's essentially saying that Michael here is not bothering to even try to explain to Satan why he has <laughs> dominion over him. He's like, it's, no, I, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. All right, Sean, I want you to take us to the New Testament. Absolutely. This may help answer the question as to whether Moses was in fact raised from the dead, as you're suggesting in this contention. Does he have to stay in the grave mm -hmm. because Satan says, that's my domain, or will he be raised to life? You read for us, if you would, Sean, Luke 9, uh, beginning with verse uh, 28 uh, through verse 36. Absolutely. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version, Luke 9, beginning of verse 28. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it happened, as they were parting from him, that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And the voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. When the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet and told no one in those days any of the things they had seen. So this is actually an amazing picture, kind of a a picture in advance of the return of Jesus. He's glorified, and, and there's two groups, if you will. What was unique about Elijah? Lavinia, what was unique about Elijah? He was taken to heaven, translated to heaven without seeing Without seeing dying. death. Yes. Yes. And only one other person, I think, would fit that category, which would be Enoch, Enoch right? Enoch, yeah. I don't know why the Lord said, Elijah, would you come down uh, versus Enoch, but one of those. So you've got one who represents those who never face death. Would that be those living when Christ returns in glory? Yes. But you've also got Moses. Who does he represent, Jason? Those who died believing in faith in, in God and were, are resurrected again. So I have a question, Marianella. Do you think actually as Moses looked back, he was disappointed that he wasn't allowed to go into Canaan and die there, but rather... The Lord buried him. He was raised from the dead. He's now in heaven. He actually appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration. That, that, what do you think? How do you think Moses thinks about that whole experience? I, I'm trying to calculate how much longer it has been since the burial, you know, of, his, of Moses' death and then resurrection, but at least a, a thousand years, perhaps, Pastor, um, 
Derek, I, I can't. You mean I before the time of Jesus? Maybe 13, between 13 to 1400 years. So yeah, it's, yes. it's more than a so, thousand. You're right. It's more than a thousand. So I would say that definitely, I know that if he were to live long, I know no man has lived a thousand years. So even living a thousand years in heaven, it would be something to much better than going to the promised land, the earthly promised land. And what an opportunity that uh, Moses has to not, uh, not die uh, this death here and stay in the tomb until this, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he, what fortune he has to be resurrected and be in heaven for more than a thousand years. And Amazing. Still, he's, he's still there now. Yep. So I'm just, he, he <laughs> I, has such a pr promise and such, um, such a privilege to be with the Lord all this time. That's and right, Marianella. The, I, I think he's probably, he's probably using my favorite Hebrew word right now. Hallelujah. Right. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that comment. So I wonder if some people, without reading the whole story, would say, I think the Lord was kind of hard on Moses, not letting him to go into Canaan. Mm -hmm. But Michael, you're saying actually the love of God? Uh, I was going to say, yes, the love of God over um, sees beyond what we can see at the time. If he had allowed Moses to remain at the time, even though the mistake that uh, he made, then perhaps they would have uh, set a president for further generations. Oh, it's okay to yes. disobey just a little bit. Mm -hmm. God's going to overlook it. No, uh, God saw Moses, you know, transgression. And even though he is full of mercy and grace and love, he had to execute judgment in order to set yes. the standard for future generations. Beautiful. We've got to move on. We just started with Moses. We're going to go to, to the first, um, well, story which, which specifically in the story speaks about a resurrection, and it's the widow of Zarephath's son. And the man of God that's used is the one of any that we talked about, Elijah. Now, before we're not going to read the whole section there in 1 Kings chapter 17, but uh, somebody give me a summary of what is Elijah doing in Zarephath? Anybody know? Travis. Well, Ahab has been a wicked king. He's, right. He's, he's just not, uh, he's not operating under godly pretenses, right? Right. And so Elijah comes there and pronounces a curse, basically, on the land. And, and it, it's not going to rain, and it's going to be dry. And uh, so they're going to go through a, a real terrible time. Here. And he first goes to the brook, yeah. right? Yeah. Called Cherith. Uh, but, but then that runs dry, and now he's in Zarephath. Yep. What miracle happens in Zarephath? Lavinia, could you read for us from 1 Kings chapter 17? And let's look at verses 8 through 16. Someone is watching Hope Sabbath School today saying, is God really a miracle-working God? Well, here's an amazing miracle uh, that happens to this widow. Okay. The New King James Version reads, then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. 
and as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. I just said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Sean, you're smiling and nodding your head. What, what lesson can we learn from this story? At first, it seems a little selfish that Elijah would say, you know, put me first. Mm -hmm. or is he saying that? Or is he saying, put the Lord first? Mm -hmm. And what do, you, what do you think? Well, I noticed in this text, as we worked our way through, the Lord says, I have already commanded this woman to give to you. Okay. So she's already hearing that God wants her to do something. So now this man walks out and she has a test she needs to do. Am I going to step out in faith? Mm. And so she steps out in faith when it would cost her and the Lord blesses her abundantly for it. Now, we don't know, uh, Enoch, we don't know how old the son was, do we? I don't think we know for sure. What do you think the son thought as he went day by day and there was always more flour in the bin and always more oil in the jar. I mean, we kind of just read this, but this apparently went on for some time. What do you think, Ina? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was really astonished, you know, by what Christ was continuing to do. And I think it just shows that if we continue to trust in God, you know, God never fails and he never lies. So if you continue to trust in God, he can really do a lot of good things in your life as well. Beautiful. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. By the way, Zarephath was not in Israel, right? It was up in Sidon, right? So this is outside of the territory. Doesn't Jesus speak about the faith of this woman? Uh, Sabina. Pastor Derek, you were asking whether we think that Elijah was actually being selfish or self-seeking. And I do actually think that he was maybe moved also by compassion. Because once he identified that she's a widow, since she was standing at the gates of Seraphath, and he probably saw by her dressing the way that she was, that she was a widow. So he recognizes that she, in that situation, that not only him is hungry, that she potentially was also suffering the consequences of that, you know, drought and everything. So I have the impression that he actually chose to bless her. Ah. So he needed the food, but probably he knew already that God could bless her. He was a prophet and he probably moved by God 
chooses her to bless her also, not just for himself. So we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us see the big picture, don't we? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we see a very narrow picture, but we're seeing mm -hmm. God actually wanting to bless her. Michael, could you read on for us in 1 Kings chapter 17 and read verses 17 through 24, because a great tragedy comes uh, to this widow. Yes. So I'm reading from the King James Version. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? Mm. And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by thou, by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. You remember from our previous study that this, when it says the soul return, it's literally talking about the breath. Yes. The breath of God. Life comes back into him. This is not some conscious spirit entity floating around, right? The breath of God comes back into him and he revives. What, what do you see, Patricia, your mother, what, what do you see in the, in the initial response of this mother when her son dies? She was probably desperate. She's even blaming Elijah mm -hmm. for what happened. So, so we see this woman, Sean, that was appointed by God and a woman of faith, but she's not perfect, is she? Oh. She's struggling right now, Travis. So I'm thinking that, that God recognized some little doubt yet, even after the oil and that, because yeah. at the end, this is like, now I know. Now that, I know. And so God just reaffirms to her that I've, that I got you. E Elijah has to take this boy from her bosom, it says. Yeah. Like she's grasping this yeah. lifeless child. I mean, yeah. those who are mothers, you can relate to that. Those who, of us who are fathers, you know, I'm holding on to my child, even though my child isn't breathing anymore. What, what do you, what do you learn in this story? Why did God allow this child to die. Mm. He could have sent Elijah to heal the sick child, couldn't he? Yeah. Jason, yes. what do you think? Sometimes, Why does God sometimes allow tragedies to come? Sometimes it's to build our faith, because you see here, she's even blaming herself and saying, you know, sin. my sin. So also maybe God is teaching her something about, look, it's not your fault. Sometimes things happen and guess what? I've got a better plan. I'm actually going to save him. You're still going to get to be with him. Mm -hmm. So sometimes he does take us through an experience. There's a lot of miracles in the story mm -hmm. of Elijah, mm -hmm. but there's another prophet. And uh, Sabina, I'm going to ask you to read about that prophet for us in Second Kings chapter 4, another prophet, his name, he was actually the uh, servant of Elijah who took his place as a prophet. His name was Elisha. 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 
And there's a story about a resurrection uh, in 2 Kings chapter 4. And Sabina, if you could read for us, starting with verse 8, about a Shunammite woman who showed kindness to the prophet of God. Okay, so I'll be reading from uh, the New King James Version, and it's 2 Kings 4 from verse 8 to verse 17, right? Yes. Um, and there the Word of God says, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunan, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall, and let us put a bed for him there, and a table, and a chair, and a lampstand, so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there, and he turned into the upper room and laid down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to him, Say now to her, Look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. So he said, Call her. When he had called her, she stood in a doorway, and then he said, About this time next year you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my lord, men of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her. So here's the setting. What do you learn from this part of the story? Travis? Well, uh, it reminds me so much of Abraham and Sarah, you know, mm -hmm. that they're serving and taking care of God's people, you know, the angels that came. Hospitality. And hospitality. And, here, and then it's revealed to her that she's going to have a son and she says, you're lying. It's just like it's unbelievable to her. Mm. And, uh, but God blesses her with a son. It's a beautiful thing. Well, if we, yeah, let's, let's talk some more about that. And then I'm going to have Mariana read the next part of the story. But what do you think, Jason? I see a lot of humility in her. Like even from when they offer to try to do things for her. She says, I dwell among my own people. You don't have to give me all these kinds of gifts. She's just doing these nice things out of the goodness of her heart. All right. Anybody else? Do, are you attracted to this w woman of Shunem? Yeah. Yeah. Shunemite. I mean, she seems like a very kind, gracious mm -hmm. person. And the promise of God is fulfilled to her. Marianella, let's keep reading in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. Yes. Um, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, My head, my head. So he said to a servant, Carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. 
Mm. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. All right. How old do you think he was? Anybody want to guess? You, you've been parent. You've watched children grow. Uh, how, how old do you think, Michael? Uh, I would say um, early teen, preteen. Uh, is, a, is of age enough where the child was uh, mm -hmm. sent out to the field? Sent out to the field. Yeah. Anybody want to a add? Minimum, minimum. He's not a toddler. Yeah. He's not, no, a, no, not, right. a, not a little toddler, toddler right? No. What do you think, Marinella? Maybe eight, ten. Eight or ten years old. old. The answer is we don't know for sure, but know. Michael yeah. made a good point. He's old mm -hmm. enough that his Minimum, mother yeah. doesn't yeah. send him out with an escort, right? right, right he right. goes out to the fields. Yeah. So she's had, would you agree with me, a significant time of joy? Mm -hmm. yes. yes. Right? Yes. She delivers a healthy boy. She's mm -hmm. been with him. You think of your own children. You've had them for a while yes. and you love them. Would you do anything for them? Oh, yes. yes. So he comes home to his mother going, my head hurts, and dies on her lap. Mm. Wow. Now, what is going to happen next? Well, she didn't ask for a blessing, did she? Mm -hmm. Let's see what happens next. Travis, could you pick up the story in 2 Kings 4, 21 to 28? And I'll be reading... From the New King James Version. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, Why are go you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, It is well. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was, when the man of God saw her afar off, he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, it is well. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told, and has not told me. So she said, Did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Mm. Mm. Well, why, what do you see happening, uh, Lalika, in her heart as she's coming? I see your hand raised, Marianella, next. I cannot help but uh, compare her life with the life of the widow in of Zarephath. Uh, we can see the contrast between the two of them. Uh, the other one blamed herself, as Jason said, about her sins, perhaps was her sins that um, killed the, the, the child or... And uh, she also said, why, why did you brought this calamity to me? Mm -hmm. uh, it said to the prophet. But this one that did not ask for a child, although she was in deep distress, for those who have been through distress know how deep it can be. Mm -hmm. She did not blame God and she did not uh, show her despair, but she trusted. She said, it is well. How come it is well? If, I mean... 
That's it, a strange it comment, fit. isn't it? It is well. What What do you think about that? Now, Gehazi, we'll, sh- we'll see later, is not a man of faith like Elisha, right? So she's like, fine, how are you doing? Fine. But she wants to get to the prophet, Travis. It's funny to me that she didn't tell her husband the son had died. She, she, she said, I just need to go. It's this, I just see an, an, uh, an amazing amount of faith that, that God is going to, mm. to do something miraculous. All right. So Marinella, what do you think? And, and why does she lay her lifeless son on Elisha's bed? Hmm. I think she had heard the story previously of um, Elijah mm. resurrecting that little boy. And <laughs> I think that hearing the, that miracle of resurrection and um, that having even a little bit of hope and a little bit of faith together, she was able to say it as well to that other servant and able to surpass her husband who may not have had those um, spiritual eyes. Like she was longing to go see that the man of God and she Mm. knew where to go. She didn't like we saw run to her husband and cry and say, oh, our, our son's dead, you know, but she went straight to the man she of God. She went straight to the man of God. Yeah, let's see how Elijah she, responds. Patricia, if you could read for us in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 29 to 37. Uh, here again, uh, we see the difference between Gehazi and Elisha, mm-hmm. you know, which is probably why she said to him, it's okay, uh, but she wants to get to the prophet of God. Uh, sure. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 29 to 37. The New King James Version reads, Then he said to Gehazi, Get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives, and your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. So Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child was not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child, and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house, and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came into him, he said, Pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. So I have a question for you. Why do you think that nothing happened when Gehazi laid Elisha's rod 
on the body of the child? Why did nothing happen? Jason? Well, you got to have faith. And we know uh, in the next chapter, the story of Gehazi. Gehazi is not a good person. He's someone who has a lot of pride and selfishness. Mm -hmm. And God has to work through vessels that will let him. You're thinking of uh, Naaman and he goes, even though Elisha says no gifts, he yes. goes and gets the gifts mm-hmm. and the leprosy that had been on Naaman rests upon him, right? Yeah. So there's something wrong, but the woman presses on, right, Michael? She says, I, I'm not going to leave your side. And actually, it, uh, the, con- the context from the previous verse just kind of alludes to the, the, where the woman's faith really is in. Mm-hmm. She, and uh, it shows her character as well, uh, how he be- she behaved right before going to Elisha. She did not tell her husband that the son was dead. She said it as well. She was holding the, her flurry of emotions within mm-hmm. herself until she got to who she perceived was the source of God's presence in the world at the time. And even when Elijah said to, uh, to Gehazi to go to the, to the child, no, she knew where God's presence was manifested, mm-hmm. and that's where her faith was, Amen. not in anything yes. else. Sure. We've got one more question before. we got three more resurrections during the ministry of Jesus in the last minutes here. So we're going to look at those briefly. But this is different. He lays his hand, body on, on mouth to mouth. This is not CPR, by the way, because the, the boy's been dead for quite a while, right? She's traveled all the way to get him and come back. Uh, what do you think Elisha, Sabina, what's Elisha doing while he's lying on this lifeless boy? Pastor Derek, I was here just surprised as to the ways that God can use a person because while we were talking about the lady, I was just contemplating exactly what God was doing through Elisha. And I imagine that he was surely pleading to God, praying his mind and maybe asking the Lord, saying, Lord, um, you know, you've directed me to do this miracle and help this lady to uh, bear this son. Now, please help us. It, <laughs> so that's what I imagine he was doing, just desperately in his heart, asking God to use him. Right. It's interesting that Elijah doesn't give up praying one time. Remember when Elijah prays for rain, he goes back and back, right? Uh, here, Elisha doesn't give up. He goes back again, right? So I'm, I have no doubt that what Sabina is saying is true. He's crying out to the Creator, God, who can raise the dead. And the miracle happens. We've got a hyperspace forward to the time of Jesus in the few minutes remaining. And we could spend an hour on each of the miracles. But give me the names of some people who were raised from the dead during the ministry of Jesus. Anybody? Michael? The boy from Nain. The boy from Nain. Someone else? Lazarus. 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 And? The daughter of Jairus. The daughter of Jairus. Okay. So, which one was dead for the shortest amount of time? Anybody? Out of those, we, we can say probably the daughter of Jairus. All right. Out Michael those, says, yeah. I think the daughter of Jairus, because they're actually on their way to yeah. the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mark records, actually, Matthew 2. They're on their way to the house, and then the news comes, yeah. your daughter died. Yeah. Yeah. But what does Jesus say? Do you remember the story? Is yes, Sean? Yes, he says, do not be afraid, just believe. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because he says, she is not dead, but... Sleeping. 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 (laughs) Jesus speaks of death as a sleep, right? And the Bible says they laughed him to scorn. Mm. They mocked him. 
But Jesus is going to demonstrate something. Well, we've got to read this part of the story mm-hmm. in, in Mark chapter 5. Jason, if you could read for us mm-hmm. verses 35 to 43. But uh, yes, thank you, Sean, for pointing out. Do not be afraid. Mm-hmm. Only believe. Maybe that's a lesson for all of us as we think about life, death, resurrection, and eternal life. Yeah. Only believe what? Mm-hmm. Only believe what? That He is the resurrection and the life. Yeah. Our Savior yes. has conquered death. He has Amen. the keys, yes. right? Amen. Let's read the story, Jason. The New King James Version says in Mark chapter 5, verses 35 to 43, While He was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kumi, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given for her to eat. So here's this amazing story, a little girl uh, dead for maybe an hour. Uh, And I don't know how far it was from the synagogue to his house, maybe minutes, but enough that they were wailing, right? The the paid mourners even maybe, or relatives were wailing outside the house. And he says, be quiet. Mm -hmm. So a short amount of time. Now, Michael, you mentioned this uh, village of Nain. Uh, This is an amazing story only recorded by Luke, Mm -hmm. where they're actually, Luke 7, coming out of the town to bury him. Mm. So how long had he been dead? Quite a while. Would you say several hours? Didn't they bury the same day? Um, Someone may be an expert on that. So but but more than a few minutes, right? They've got the funeral stretcher and they're carrying him out. Now I have a question. Lavinia, maybe you could start the discussion then we'll get some of our remotes to pitch in. There is no record that this widow asks Jesus to raise her son from the dead. What do you think? Before they call, I will answer. (laughs) And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Mm -hmm. Jesus knew the grief of the mother Mm. and he, his Mm -hmm. heart went out to her Mm. and he knew that she was his, her only son, Mm. potential source of of livelihood and support, not only emotionally, but for her future, mm-hmm. and he uh, he intervened because he's a life giver. Amen. Wow, that's so powerful. I, I, I thought of that other promise, uh, call to me in the day of trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, can can God hear silent cries? Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Can he can he 
can he hear the cry of tears? Mm -hmm. So the tears are flowing. This widow, she's lost her husband. Now she's lost her son. He stops the funeral and raises this boy from the dead. Mm -hmm. How do you think that impacted the, the, the village of Nain? Sabina, what do you think? I mean, he stops. He has the, I almost want to say he has the audacity, the courage to stop a funeral. Right? And he raises this young man. Sabina, what what are your thoughts? Pastor Derek, the first thought that comes to me is just God's compassion that is extended. You know, it was first extended to that lady that we saw that was feeding Elijah. And then the one that was helping Elisha. And now again, like there is a key of compassion. It always starts with Jesus' compassion, observing what's going on and willing to, you know, embrace and comfort people. So I think that's something that I note as like key for God granting this life eternal and resurrection is his compassion, his heart of love. Beautiful. And then as far as the people that were there in in the community, I'm sure that they were surely impacted by that. But I think that more than just like seeing the raising of a kid, they truly was, were impacted by his compassion and his love. Thank you for emphasizing the compassion. Now, some people could say, well, dead for a few minutes, few hours. But actually, they weren't really dead. But the last one we're looking at in a few mm. minutes remaining is Lazarus, mm-hmm. yeah. John mm-hmm. chapter 11. How long had he been dead? Four, 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 days. Days. four days. Probably buried the same day, but now in that tomb. And his sister says, Lord, don't even roll the stone back. Why? He stinks. <laughs> he, he's stinking, literally. <laughs> he's decomposing. But Travis, I need you to read this one passage for us. And this is going to wrap up our study. This is before the death and resurrection of Jesus, mm-hmm. which will be the hope for all of us that we too will rise. John 11, 21 to 27. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is come into the world. And if you read the rest of the chapter, he comes to the tomb, tells him to roll away the stone and cries out, Lazarus, come forth. Now, that's different from how Elisha raised someone. It's different from how Jesus himself had raised the Jairus' daughter and the widow of Nain's son. Certainly different from Elijah, right? Yes. He cries out, Lazarus, come forth. And this uh, amazing miracle occurs, a man whose body is already decomposing in that moment of speech is totally recreated and comes forth. We noted with no testimony of how wonderful it was being somewhere else. He was in the sleep of death, but he's raised. What do all of these stories do for your heart today, Lilika? All of these stories. 
Um, I would say for those who lost their loved ones, there is hope. Mm -hmm. And um, the hope is in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Here in the Word of God, only God can comfort those who lost their loved ones. And here we can see that we serve a God that can bring people back mm -hmm. to life again. Mm -hmm. So every time I or uh, my, my loved ones lost someone, or lose someone, um, the, the words of Jesus comes back to my mind again. Mm -hmm. If you believe in me, you will live again. Yes. Uh, I love yes. what Sean said earlier with Jairus's father, right? Oh, Jairus, I mean, about his daughter. Do not fear, That's right. only believe. Maybe you're watching Hope Sabbath School today and you're saying, Pastor Derek, I, I just lost a loved one or I lost a loved one a decade ago, and I still have this painful void in my heart. I just want to say, do not be afraid. Only believe in Jesus, who is your Savior and the resurrection and the life. The resurrections that we see in the Old Testament, we're going to study now about the resurrection of Jesus. Give us confidence that death has been defeated for those who trust in God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray especially for those who may be grieving today. May we hear a word of hope that death is not the end, but asleep until the resurrection. May we determine to trust Jesus today that we may rise in the resurrection of the redeemed. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, thanks for joining us for Hope Sabbath School. Take what you've learned today and go out and be a blessing to those around you.